All right, hello everyone, it's Chef Ryan Callahan and welcome to the people behind your food. This week I have my good friend Ryan Ellison. I seem like I always have my good friends on this podcast because I'm always like, this is my good friend. But uh, he's a dietitian and we grew up together here in St. Louis and we've known each other for a very long time. And I have him on here basically to tell us what the heck a dietitian is and what they actually do. Uh, because I've heard the word nutritionist, I've heard the word dietitian, and I've heard them used interchangeably if you're in England. So depending on where you're at, it means different things. And I basically brought Ryan on to answer what is nothing more than a 15 second question, but we're gonna turn it into a 60 minute interview, I believe, if he's up for some fun today. So Ryan, why don't you say hello to the audience? Hello audience, I'm Ryan Ellison, I'm a dietitian. I've known Ryan Callahan for a really, 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 really long time. It's uh, been quite entertaining seeing uh, where we started as little punk. Well, I was a little punk kid. He was always an adult, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> eh, probably not. And uh, seeing how far he's come with all this cancer uh, cooking and all these cooking shows. And obviously, I love following him on Instagram. Check his Instagram out. The food is so good looking, mouthwatering, amazing. Thank so you. <laughs> I, I have quite enjoyed uh, w watching uh, what he's been doing. So, and I'm excited he invited me on to be on this podcast. It's going to be a great time. I had someone, you know, everyone's always like, cause I do kind of, I do dude food. That's what I do. You know, like I call it probably stoner. why I like it. So yeah, that's much. exactly what it is. You know, I, I call it stoner food, but it's just dude food. It's like comfort food. It's home style food. I had someone say, I don't like your plating the other day, so you can't be a chef because your plating is subpar. And I just, I just laughed and laughed and laughed. And it's like, just, just, just go sit your narrow button, down. you know? Like seriously, <laughs> it, it tastes good. It looks, looks good. Looks good. And it feels all good in my mouth. Let's just go with it. <laughs> and it tastes great with a port. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I'm first out. So first I out. know you. So let's go ahead and teach everybody else about you. So we're gonna do our quick get to know you questions. So uh, Ryan Ellison. How old are you? I am 27 years old. What's your favorite movie? Uh, that's actually pretty tough because I like a wide range of movies. Uh, but I had to, after thinking about it for a little bit, you know, I was thinking V for Vendetta. V for Vendetta? That's a good one. I, I enjoyed it. I'm actually reading the graphic novel as well, which is different than the movie. I can already tell you. Uh, but it's been very enjoyable uh, seeing where the, the movie kind of drew its influence from. That's awesome. The uh, Another couple good comic book movies that I really liked were Watchmen and such 300. A, such a great. And I have a friend who's older and his name's Dan and he's a really great guy and I love him and I hope he's listening to podcast but we strongly disagree about Watchmen. I think Watchmen is one of the greatest movies ever made. Agreed. He argues that because it is literally the graphic novel shot for shot that it is derivative and I say the point of the movie was to capture the beautifulness of that graphic novel in a live version and he he's just like well I just wanted to see some new take on it but you know that if they did a new take on it just like the new Star Trek everybody would have been up in arms screaming exactly. and beating the tables and burning down bridges so you yeah. know no I'm in agreement happy. like the watch Watchmen was great the graphic novel was great awesome to read actually I think I still have Greg Russert's uh, Watchmen from years and years ago I think that's actually his Greg if you're listening I can mail that back to you. Okay. <laughs> um, you probably no. have like late return fees, you know? Yeah, like, now if you have a late return fee, I lost it. I don't have it. It's somebody else. <laughs> How much was it in, in, in uh, half price books? Five bucks? Yes. I, I can do $5 in late return fees. <laughs> okay. So what's your favorite TV show? Um, pretty much I'm going to say, you know, off the cuff, How I Met Your Mother. I, I've enjoyed that show. Uh, my best friend in college, um, whose wedding I'm actually going to in a couple months, uh, he introduced me to that show, and we used to we used to watch a couple episodes at night. Like we'd be studying or whatever, and we watched a couple episodes. I've probably seen the series from start to finish. Um, 
I don't know, four times maybe. And that's a lot of episodes. It's a lot, it's a of, lot of episodes. And it's not even just binge watching. You watch a couple, but I just, it was something I like to, to watch. And it's always like a good memory of, you know, college and with, right. you know, living with one of my best friends who's still one of my best friends, which isn't always true when you live with somebody, especially right. I think for dudes. Cause we're, oh, you want to kill each other. Uh, yeah. And he was pretty messy and I know he'll be listening to this podcast, but <laughs> after living with my last roommate, uh, Tim, sorry, man, you're really messy. <laughs> But otherwise, no. That uh, in full circle, it's favorite TV show. How I Met Your Mother. It's a great one. That's that's Jesse's favorite TV show. She's got good taste. She does have review. good taste. And, and and after they took it off Netflix, we didn't have Hulu, so mm. she, we, she just she went through like withdrawal symptoms. She'd be sitting there and like shaking, you know, like sweating <laughs> a little bit, you know, like I just need to hear Barney say something snarky, you know. So legend, uh, wait for it. Dairy. Legend, and I hope that you're not lactose intolerant because the next word <laughs> is dairy. dairy. <laughs> uh, so what's your favorite music? Uh, I listen to pretty much pretty much everything from uh, like German industrial to rock to a little bit of classical if I need to calm down to just good old fashioned hip hop and pop. But uh, if I had to pick one that if I was stuck on a desert island and had to listen to one type of music, I'd say rock music. Rock music. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, this is my favorite question to ask all the millennials, which is, are you, do you carry cash or you pay with cards? So I'll, I'll pull <laughs> out my wallet. For the illustration, he's actually showing us his wallet So right I'm going to throw some, I'm going to throw some cash at you. Oh yeah. I'll, maybe I'll dance for yeah. it. <laughs> and then I'll throw some <laughs> cards at you. Uh, I like to keep a little bit of both. And uh, especially when I was living, I just moved uh, to Kansas City from upstate New York and Syracuse. Um, a lot of those bars and... Yeah, we all think it's actually because Irish town, there's some mafia activity. A lot of the bars are actually cash, um, and it's great because you get a discount on the cash, but uh, carrying cash is just easier, to, mm -hmm. and it's easier to have both. Some bars, they're fine with cards, some aren't, so I uh, I started keeping more cash, and this brand new wallet my brother got me, thanks Kyle, um, <laughs> actually has this awesome money clip, and when you don't have cash in it, it makes the wallet like too small. Like I'm always afraid it's going to fall out, so I have to keep cash in it to make it a uh, stick in my pocket so yeah definitely more cash that's too much logic normal. by the way i think you now have the record for the most amount of shout outs in the first five minutes of the show so far hey we're going for records today hey it's like nascar right we gotta yes. put stickers all over us hey just wait till the plug at the end <laughs> all right so uh what's your favorite type of ice cream uh moose tracks hands down next question that's a great one next question. <laughs> no elaboration necessary favorite food uh Again, kind of difficult. I uh, I love I love all foods. Um, I've eaten a lot of food. Uh, some of my best foods are Middle Eastern cuisines. Good friend of mine uh, is from Jordan, and anything with sumac, like chicken with sumac on top of it when cooked right. Um, even sheep. I love sheep liver now because of it. I never would have thought I'd say that that I love sheep liver, but when it's cooked right, it's delicious. As mm -hmm. I know you know, sure. like, the preparation of food is everything. It's, it's the most important part of what it is. Mm, I love it. I would have to say though, both. Uh, American style Chinese and uh, I had a professor who was from China who cooked traditional Chinese and I I would say that is what I would eat yeah if I had to eat nothing else it's good stuff I love Chinese it, it's good for you and it fills you not good for you no <laughs> not gonna say that not I mean, American Chinese yeah the, the, okay. the Chinese food the like the authentic stuff that I used to eat in the Chinese restaurants would be like tomatoes and eggs and celery and yeah. rice just real light real light stuff. light not a lot not a lot of fat not a lot of MSG if very, any, very like, lean very lean yeah and yummy okay I think we covered that so uh dogs or cats 
Uh, dogs, I'm allergic to cats. Um, there are very few cats that I think are worth anything. Uh, a dog will bark if there's an intruder, a cat will scratch you on the face. <laughs> so I'm just, uh, as I'm looking at Jesse, uh, die of laughter over cuddling her dog. Um, that says everything I need to know. That dog is loving his belly rubs and his, yeah, oh yeah. He's yeah, but if you're it, in a, so. if you're someone who does, he doesn't know and you barge in the house, he does go at you. I'll bet it, but whenever he saw me, he came at me for pets. Yeah, so. <laughs> so, so he doesn't prove your point. Uh, yes. All right. So, uh, but cats, they, when I caught walking to a house, most cats do not come up to me. There have been exceptions and those cats are cool. Cats. Yeah. They're cool cats. All right. So where'd you grow up? Uh, I grew up in St. Louis, but I was born in St. Peter's and then, um, I met you whenever I moved out to West County yep. and, uh, the old, good old wildwood, the old wild <laughs> hood, well hood. Um, so yeah, that's what you know about the I'm, wild hood. What, what you know about the wild hood? Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I know we have a lot of great stores. Uh, we have great food. Uh, lots of lots of parks and uh, areas of access. We have for more deer than you will ever know what to do with in your life. <laughs> if you were going to look at us on a map as like, like this is the like an RPG, you know, like you were taking over like different areas. This would be the resource tile that have deer on it. Yes, exactly, hundred percent, hundred percent. It's like when can I just start taking my bow and just casually walking through the neighborhood? Right. And said, you know, at the break of break of dawn, it's like, man, I'm going to take three deer before you guys even get up for work. I'm not even kidding. The other day we were on our way to church and we were at the rosary. We were going to the rosary in the morning and literally we're driving down the street. Some people were out. They got the cops because the deer had gotten hit and, oh. and it didn't die. And the cop walks over, and we're like, oh, good. The, 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 they're here to help the deer. The guy walks over and goes, cap, right in the deer's head. And I'm like, okay, well, that's one way to, like, euthanize it quickly and efficiently. Yep. But, like, at the same time, it was a little traumatizing. It was like, oh, they're going to save Bambi. It's like, nah. Nah. <laughs> nah, you don't want that animal to suffer. It's no, okay. you don't. You really don't. Okay, so where do you live now? Um, all right, so I actually was living in upstate New York in Syracuse, New York, uh, the past about well, a little less than a year and a half, and I actually uh, moved to Kansas City this past weekend. Uh, it's been a whirlwind of driving across the country again the second time in the past two years, and then uh, coming here to St. Louis for one of my best friend's weddings, and obviously setting up for this podcast, so the timing was perfect. I'm in town, I have the day off, and... Uh, yeah, that's where I'm at. I'm in KC. I'm in KCK. I'm not in KC Mo. Just how just how it happens. I found a great job out there in Olathe. So, like, coming from upstate New York, how did you drive here? Uh, let's see. I left uh, Syracuse, headed due west to Buffalo. Mm -hmm. uh, headed didn't go quite into Buffalo. Headed south through Erie, Pennsylvania, and basically rode the top of Pennsylvania, cut through Pennsylvania through Ohio, then to Indiana. Then you hit 70. Then to, Exactly. Yeah. You hit 70 uh, just south of Columbus, Ohio, and it's like 400 miles straight to Kansas City from yeah, there. It's just, it is. It's, it's beat easy. It, it I was like, nice. It was, I like 70 because it goes all the way from D.C. all the way to the western side of Colorado and Utah. And yeah. it's just super like, it's like, oh, you want to go through the center of the country and you live in the center country? Boy, do I have an interstate for you. Exactly. You know? Yeah, it's going <laughs> to make getting uh, to St. Louis even easier because it's just, I'm like, six miles from 70 where I'm at now in Kansas City. And then once you're on 70, my parents live in St. Charles right off of 70. It's three and a half hours now from my door to my parents' door. Would you say that I-70 goes through the most scenic parts of cities? I would say that it goes through the most beautiful, least burned down parts. And I'm saying that jokingly because I-70 goes through the most, most burned out, worst places of every city. It was like when they built it, they're like, I got this great idea. 
Let's find the places that look like footage from World War II and build a road through it. Everyone will love to see it. We'll put like we'll, we'll occasionally put German soldiers out there, and you'll be you'll feel Why authentic. Not? Why not? Yeah, you can do that. You charge a mission. I was say, uh, yeah, seventy is a little rough. I guess when you get to Colombia, um, seventy cuts Colombia in half, and you get to you get to see like what is it um, where seventy hits Broadway or Providence, whatever that mm -hmm. is. I'm not super familiar with Colombia though. I've been there a few times. Uh, that's actually not the worst. But yeah, when you're on the St. Louis side of seventy, oh, yeah. like when you especially when you or get Indianapolis. downtown. Oh God, that was the worst. <laughs> uh, that, I, I hate driving through there. Actually, when I moved, when I moved to New York and had to go through Indy, I actually decided to stop and stay at a hotel on the far side of Indianapolis after I passed through because I, I do not want to see this in the daytime. Yeah, no, seriously. Okay, so I feel like we've got a really good handle on your personality. We've discussed travel tips. So if you're coming from upstate New York and you need to get to Kansas City, Ryan's your guy. I do know a few uh, good spots. <laughs> Okay, so let's dive into your past. Um, so who are you, Ryan Ellison, and what exactly do you do? Well, I am Ryan Ellison. I think we covered that. I'm a dietitian, also covered. Um, but what do I do? Well, for fun, I do a lot of outdoor sports, but for professionalism and all that good stuff, I'm a dietitian because I love to help people. Um, I love to help people with their diet and really, and we'll get to this as more of the questions come through. Um, food is what we do. We do that one to five times every day. Everyone's different. Uh, I see different people with different kind of schedules of how they eat, but we all have to eat mm -hmm. and we have built cultures, laws, regulations, um, like society's constructs. Uh, one of my least favorite is waiting till everyone gets their food to eat drives me nuts whenever I cook. Like if I put a, a piping hot, piece of meat, I don't want you to, now don't eat if it's piping hot, but you understand. Sure. Like, whenever it's warm, I want you to enjoy it because that's when you're going to get that good flavor. I don't want you to wait. If I get my timing wrong, something goes wrong in the kitchen, I want I want you to eat. Don't wait on the chef. That That is like my biggest pet peeve, but it's a pet peeve that it relates to food that sure. everyone has. And you have you always have that awkward whenever you're with a group of people, like <laughs> I'm, I'm going to go to this, uh, this dinner for uh, the reception, uh, rehearsal dinner or whatever it is. And I'm interested to see if it's the same thing. We're all from different parts of the country. Mm -hmm. uh, we all have been raised differently. I want to see if who if people wait or if they don't wait to see if they wait for everyone to get their food or start. Now, I want to wait for the bride and groom to mm -hmm. get their food because that's just what you should do. But outside of that, if it looks good and it's not it's not uh, too hot, I'm going to start eating. See, and I'm the opposite. I'm a chef, so I'm used to being the last person to eat because I'm fretting over every last detail. And... It could be the best meal you have ever had in your life, but if I am not happy with the garlic concentration in it, it'll ruin my entire day. Oh, never enough and, and that's, garlic. And that's and that's my problem is uh, is is you know being a chef. I want to be happy with the food I make, and I know that when I make food, people are like, oh, you know, we I want to eat this all the time. When are you opening a restaurant? And it's like, no, I'm good, bro. But like. I can't <laughs> enjoy my, like, I, people take me out to these restaurants and they think that I need, like, this fancy meal. I'm like, no, just cook anything for me because I didn't have to make it. But, yeah, no, if I'm not cooking, I want to eat right away. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I want to eat. I want to eat it when it's like, hot. Like, I got mine. Y'all good? All right. Especially, like, scrambled eggs. Oh, no. Scrambled eggs, if you let them sit or, or like, fresh toast, if you wait yeah. five minutes... You know, for someone else's food to come through, they got like a wave of Srancheros, right. you know, like yeah. something that's going to take a little bit longer to make. And then you're waiting, you're waiting, and then your eggs are cold. Right. Your toast is cold. And, and then you're spending $20 on something that sucks. Thank you. 
You're welcome. Exactly. <laughs> I justified your life position. I appreciate it. This is Ryan Callahan, and this is the investigative journalism beyond the people behind your food. I need like a little like graphic, you know. Maybe I can find some like samples, some sounds, you know. Yeah, we could probably do that. You might know somebody in that industry, actually. I do. One or two people who make sound effects. Like, hmm. maybe. I don't know. Maybe. maybe okay, possibly. so so that's you. That's what you do. So next question, which is really the whole reason I brought you on. Maybe I should have left this at the very end for, like, the interview so people would just stay and listen to the whole interview. But what is a dietitian and what the heck do they do? Okay. Well, uh, I think your next question is going to be, what's the difference between dietitian and nutritionist? And hopefully I'll paint the picture. Oh, um, paint the picture. That's, that's paint why. Paint me a word picture. <laughs> I love those. I'm going to paint you a word picture like you wouldn't believe. All right. So basically what a dietitian is, um, and we have different capacities, and we'll talk about the different things that dietitians do, where we work, all those things. Um, but a dietitian is someone who has to go to school for four years in undergrad, and then now is required to have a master's. Um, they have to go through a board exam, um, like a nurse, uh, respiratory therapist, a little bit different on your therapies, like your OT, your PT, your uh, speech language pathology. It's a little bit, um, a little bit different what our knowledge, um, our knowledge base is based on more of the medical nutrition therapy, which is what a clinical dietitian like myself does day in and day out, as well as food service. Mm -hmm. We have to know how a food service operation works. We have to know the formulas for uh, a myriad of things we're calculating, like what, um, for purchasing. For instance, purchasing formulas. You know, what's what are we getting out of this food? Well, I'm gonna buy it raw, but what's what's my actual weight after I'm done cooking it? Really, I would not have ever expected that you guys would have to know that. That was oh, a, that's there's questions like you wouldn't believe on our RD exam. Formula questions. Yeah. All right, you have. Let's do some da 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 game show time. No, thank you. <laughs> I left that. I left that behind because it's like, oh, I really do not want to get into purchasing. Like, that no, was, it's, it's that was hard. A, that was a hard swerve. I was like, man, I, I I did not like the formulas. I would rather tell you what to eat for certain disease states than that. So. I'll tell you, like, even if you have a formula, it's still art. It's not science and it's not math. Purchasing is not math. It's art. Because because uh, there's so many factors that go into it. You know, you're like, okay, I've got 100 pounds of ground beef, and each one is going to form a four-ounce, quarter-pound patty. So I've got 100 pounds. That's 400 ounces. So now I've got 400 burgers. How many people will that feed, you know? And then how many is that after cook weight? It's 2.75 ounces on if it's 60-40. Usually you don't use 60-40. See, it's too much yep. math. Too much I math. don't like this. I don't way like too math. Much math. It's way too much math. And so I like the purchasing strategy of, well, we're out of that. Let's order more. <laughs> It's definitely one way to do you it. You know what? I didn't order enough eggs last week. Let's order some more eggs this week. <laughs> Good idea. I think you should probably do that. You should not run out. That's the key. Okay, so continue. <laughs> what, what else does a clinical dietitian do? Um, well, a clinical dietitian, I uh, address disease states. Um, say um, We do, again, depending on your capacity. Uh, my last hospital, I actually left oncology briefly um, to take on a new challenge of cardiac. And I was cardiothoracic, ICU dietitian. Uh, with some coverage in trauma and some other things like that. Um, I wanted to try something new, the heart, the heart, heart healthy diet, you know, low fat, low salt, low cholesterol, you know, helping patients through getting, you know, uh, a cabbage shape, you know, a, a bypass, you know, sure. a heart bypass and helping them, you know, post-op. All right, we need to get your diet mm -hmm. in order. We need to get you set up for success so this doesn't have to happen again. Right. Because nobody needs to go through that again. It, it kills it kills people. Right. You know, open heart surgery, it has the potential to do that. Now, I had a top surgeon, great guy. Um, he uh, he actually shook my hand whenever I left and wished me all the best in the world. And that meant all the world to me because uh, he was just an amazing 
amazing cardiothoracic surgeon at upstate and he had the best bedside manner of any doctor i've ever seen and those kind of people seriously you're laughing but like that's important because some of the physicians i've worked with um, don't have the best bedside manner no and this, this I, guy, I know exactly what you're talking about yeah this guy would walk in feel like it was your best friend for your entire life took care of all his patients was always in always on like it was great but you make uh, a good maitre d he would he really <laughs> he really would um Dr. Rain, don't come after me. Uh, <laughs> but uh, anyway, um, no, so I, I did a little bit of the clinical side with education. Um, we had a heart failure program as well. So I'd educate on heart failure, same kind of things with heart healthy diet. We also do general easy questions. Uh, how's your appetite today? You know, how's your appetite been the past couple of weeks? You know, assessing where, what's your nutrition status before you came into the hospital? And is this something related? I'm cancer patients, for instance can note weight loss, 20 pound weight loss in a month and they weren't trying to lose weight. Right. Well, that is a common indicator of something ain't going right and <laughs> it could be related to cancer. Generally not good. Generally not, generally not good to lose weight unintentionally, um, especially 20 pounds in like a month. So figuring out, you know, what's going on with them nutritionally, um, as well as doing uh, tube feedings calculations, mm -hmm. um, how, what tube feeding, how much, how long, as well as uh, TPN, total uh, peripheral nutrition. Uh, sorry, parenteral nutrition, um, which can be done through a central line or a peripheral line um, to a certain extent. Um, doing those kind of formulations, my last hospital, I would formulate with the help of the other dietitians as needed. We worked great as a team. That's an important part of being a dietitian is working with your own dietitian team as well as the interdisciplinary team, You know, your doctors, your mid-levels, like your PAs, your NPs, the nurses, the speech language pathologists, they're a, a treasure to a dietitian because we work so hand in hand. Mm -hmm. Speech tells us what they can swallow, what they can't swallow, and we write up a diet, we get diet education to make that realistic at home. So it's communicating, it's, it's building TPNs and tube feedings and making sure the patients are getting nutrition even if they can't eat. Right. Part of what a dietitian does is when you can't eat, we find a way to feed you. Right. And we, and we go to the mat with physicians over what what we should do if we have to feed you not by mouth. Right. So what you do as a dietitian is not just simply eat this, not that. Correct. There, though there is some of there is some of that in the education. Um, and and again, think about all the people you meet. If you're if you're a cashier at a grocery store, well, you schnooks. You're going to meet all sorts of different people. Think about all those sorts of different people, and those are my patients. Right. Some people you can get really in depth with diabetes. Other patients you can't. I had a patient um, a little more recently who told me I I don't have a great memory, um, and I, I have a learning disability. So you need to keep it really really simple for me. And I was like, all right. We're gonna do simple. Mm -hmm. I'm gonna tell I'm gonna tell you what you shouldn't eat and what you should eat to help with um, his disease state, and that seemed to work for him. So you have to adjust. It's adjusting the education to the audience as well, or is it the audience's family? Because you're an 88 year old and your son, you're living with your son, and they're doing the cooking. I need to educate the family, not right. the patient. I talk so, about this all the time. That and not only that, but. It's the comfort food aspect. Oh, People you. eat what they're familiar with. Yes. Comfort food is subjective. When you don't feel good, a guy who grows up in Western India is not going to have the same palate as me growing up in Central Missouri. Yeah. They're just not. Yeah. And what they think is comfort food when they're sick or what they're used to eating is going to be completely different. Yeah. And that's so important to educating the you know the caregivers and people who are helping out. Yep. Yeah. And that'll transition into, you know, my I'll use my analogy again of being a grocery store clerk and seeing the different different people for the one size fits all diet, which isn't a thing. 
So we'll get. Oh, there. we're gonna get into that. We're oh, gonna. We're gonna. We're gonna enjoy that conversation. We're gonna dig. All right. Not not dig into anybody, but dig into that topic. So okay. So that's what a dietitian is and what you do. So what is the difference between a dietitian and a nutritionist? You hear the word nutritionist thrown around. People will say, Oh, I'm I'm a vegan nutritionist, and I'm and I went to this class, and it's usually like a six week class. And so tell me about that, and what is the difference between them and you? So graphic major eye roll uh, from me. <laughs> you right. should have seen that eye roll. It was so legendary that you wouldn't like you will never see something else that eye rolling. <laughs> it was it was a great 14 year old girls of the world be jealous. It was great. All right. So basically as I said before, a dietitian, we gotta go through we gotta go through schooling. Um, we have to go through a medical internship. We have to take a medical board exam. Um, that is, you know, it's difficult. You got to study. A nutritionist can call himself a nutritionist. They can go online, get a certificate that says they're a nutritionist. That is not college classes. That is not board exam. That is not real life clinical as well as community experience. Like I had to work in the community. I worked at a WIC clinic. I worked in an outpatient setting. I worked at a school when I was an intern, getting all these different views of everything going on. Um, whereas a nutritionist just, hey, I'm a vegan nutritionist and this is what I do. Now, not to say that they're not I'm not going to go so far as to say all of them are uh, incorrect in what they say. The materials are out there that they can make um, good assessments of what's going on, what's healthy, what's not healthy. But if you truly, um, if they truly, truly want, if anyone wants like a real good layout of what nutrition is, lifestyle change, because I don't believe in the word diet. I believe if you want to be healthy, it's part of a whole, whole lifestyle, holistic approach to living. Um, see a dietitian. Mm-hmm. You'll work with the dietitian. Um, if you have a disease state like diabetes, see a dietitian. If they are a specialist, if they have a BCADM, which is a board certified uh, advanced diabetes something, I don't have that. <laughs> I don't have that. But the other one is a CDE, a certified diabetes educator. They're sure. going to be a great resource, as well as you know, for, again for diabetes, using an endocrinologist, you know, mm-hmm. who studies diabetes and other things along that line. Um, but again, we had to go through a lot of schooling. We have continuing ed we have to do. We have to keep our board certification up. Um, we also have board exams to increase the, uh, I just, I joke about it all the time, the number of letters behind our name. Yeah. So really boiling it down to like a core idea is that you're a medical professional. Yes. You're, you are a truly highly educated medical professional that has to go through continuing education on a regular basis. Whereas someone who just says that they're a nutritionist tends to could just be anybody. They could be good at their job. They could be really good at what they do. They could be intuitive with it, but it doesn't necessarily guarantee success. Yeah. They're not necessarily, they're not going to be board certified. They're not going to be a medical professional and they're not going to be working at a hospital. Correct. Okay. Yeah, you're not going to be. There's no. There's not a nutritionist. I, I have not. I have not seen in, in my profession or heard of there being a nutritionist in a hospital. If someone says nutritionist, they're being incorrect and in saying dietitian. Correct. They mean dietitian. It's not the same thing. And we're actually trying to inherit. Um, like I'm an RD. I'm a registered dietitian. Um, what What's starting now is we're actually going to be called, um, depending on the state, RDN, Registered Dietitian Nutritionist. Okay. So then we take that nutritionist word from people calling themselves a nutritionist because we can take legal action, action against, against them, people, right? Which is unfortunate but necessary. I I think so too, and I think that's a good that's a good move because in the truth of the matter is what you're doing is you're protecting people. Exactly. And so we'll get more into the one size fits all and the fad diets. Uh, here in a minute. Okay. So, um, so where do you work now? 
I'm starting a job in Olathe, Kansas. Um, so I haven't even I haven't even started yet. I'm in between um, positions. Took some time off uh, for my best friend's wedding this week. So, but I'll be back in the Midwest and back in Kansas City, and I'm ex- I'm excited for that, especially for my hospital as well as the amount of medical professionals and hospitals in that area. It's mm-hmm. a it's a great hub for medical existence if sure. anything you know there's i'm going to meet people there's resources etc so i'm excited for it when you said meet people we've been talking about meat so much that now i'm picturing people made out of meat so mm. that's a, that's a problem of mine <laughs> uh, so what got you interested in nutrition like what 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 i mean you know i knew you were always into sports it, was that the hub or where did it come from oh it was actually uh, part of the hub um i i found from an earlier age what you get in your body is what you get out of it. And for an athlete, what what you eat, what you drink, I'm not saying I was ever perfect or I'm perfect now in my diet. I'm enjoying some chips. I've seen yeah. your Instagram. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I've, I've, I've enjoyed some uh, delicious beers and some delicious Chinese that's MSG ridden. Um, but that's the thing, it's not, it's, it, again, it'll be a balance. But um, for, for me, it was, I realized that, hey, if I eat correctly and if I start my day correctly, if I hydrate correctly, my performance and my post-game feel, like how my body recovers, um, is better when I use food as a fuel mm-hmm. and not just you know something to gain pleasure from. And that's carried over into um, you know my life now. But also, I ended up taking biochemistry in high school and absolutely love biochem because when you look at it, uh, a, a, a cup of pudding, a piece of sushi, um, jello, any of these foods that have different consistencies, at the basis of them is these carbon molecules that after processing by the body create energy mm-hmm. no matter what no matter what it is now obviously if there's some protein it's going to be different if there's fat you know triglycerides um, they're going to it's processed a little differently but you know mainstream you know easy chemistry is food equals fuel right and i i always found that so interesting that no matter what your body turned that raw food, not raw food, but that raw fuel into energy, whatever it was. Now there's certain things that would be better for you. There's different fuels. You're gonna burn, you don't you want to burn premium in your body. You don't want to burn unleaded. <laughs> you know, I, I love that the car analogy is one of my favorite analogies, especially for the heart. Um, but I, I really I really felt, you know, growing up that if you take care of your body with nutrition, you can get more out of it um, from for from an athletic standpoint, mm-hmm. I ran cross country and we did uh, pasta parties. You mm-hmm. know, I was like, oh, I pasta is fuel. Yeah, looking back at it, nah, too many carbs. I didn't <laughs> run that. I didn't run that hard. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, you were doing oncology for a while, and then you said you moved into cardiothoracic. Um, did you start in oncology? Was that your is that your focus now? Uh, I did start in my first two years as a dietitian. I did oncology, renal, and rehab. Um, and I loved oncology. Uh, originally, like I talked about with sports, my original plan was sports nutrition, and then I was an intern. And again, compared to a nutritionist, like I was seeing cancer patients in the cancer center, working mm-hmm. with them, um, I realized I loved cancer, and I loved the impact that a dietitian, and we, we have impacts in the hospital, but if we're gonna talk impact from somebody who uh, broke their femur and we're seeing them for something not as important as say they're only there They're there for seven days and required to see them compared to a cancer patient who's lost 20 pounds They're on cisplatin carboplatin someone that's destroying their taste buds or ability to taste um, You know the myriad of chemo treatments We have such a great impact and as you have in cooking for chemo like addressing well different people have
have different tastes right. and taste changes are vary by person. I had a patient who said a Snickers bar tastes like a jalapeno. I had to look at him crooked, but that, <laughs> but that's what, that's what his taste buds it were is. registering. I, and, and that's, that's literally, I literally do an entire 15 minute piece on illustrating to the caregiver what it'd be like if your hamburger tasted like a Krispy Kreme donut. You'd just be freaked out. I, I have a whole piece on it and it's true. It's a real thing. And yeah. people don't understand that the perception changes are what, it's the misaligned ex expectations and perception that makes such a huge difference. And that's so important. And that's why I'm always saying, get with your freaking dietitian. They will work with you. They will get the plan together. And then when it tastes wrong, you come to me and I'll teach you how to make it taste right. Exactly. A little, a little combination between chef and dietitian. Exactly. I'm, I'm good. With I'll be that. honest. I'll make them fat. I, I, I'm not going to lie. If it, if it was up to me, I'd make everyone 300. It'd be my 600 pound life everywhere because I'd be making money. <laughs> you know? <laughs> Well, I'm not going to go that far to encourage that. No, but, but. like, you know what I mean. Yeah, you, I you know what I mean. It's it's the, the you know, we, we got to tackle that weight loss thing. Agreed. So uh, what are some good things you've experienced being a dietitian? Um, I've seen, and, you know, since becoming a dietitian, the hospitals I've been to, I've seen patients, and we'll, we'll talk about uh, rehab and cancer patients. You see them at the beginning of cancer treatment. They're coming in, you know, they're coming in for chemo. Um, you know, they, they're just going to do where they do the chemo in the hospital, not even just the, the outpatient clinic. Like they're gonna do their chemo treatment and then they're gonna go home and the next one they're gonna come back to the hospital. Mm -hmm. Seeing them, and of course we see the bad too, but seeing them get stronger, mm -hmm. seeing them put on weight or even just staying the same weight through mm -hmm. treatment with their their drive, their passion. Like I'm gonna beat this, I'm gonna beat this, I'm gonna beat this and I love, I love seeing that. And I love seeing the rehab patient uh, who had a stroke and then they couldn't talk, they were aphasic, um, they didn't know what was going on, or maybe they did, but they couldn't get it out, which sounds super frustrating to me as someone who loves to talk. If I couldn't, <laughs> if I couldn't pass on whatever I'm thinking, feeling, desiring, and I have to sit there frustrated, and you see that frustration, and then by the end, depending on the patient, they're having a full-blown conversation telling me about their life. Yeah. You know, at the end of their two-week period or whatever it is, like we see patients like that, and it just, it warms, it warms your heart up. It really does, you know, seeing those kids and seeing kids too. Um, I'm not a huge fan of pediatrics, but I've grown to respect them. Mm -hmm. It's out of my own fear. I, I hate seeing sick kids because it's just <laughs> it's just not fair. And I have dietitians I talk to and pedi pediatric surgeons and whatever else it's been throughout the years that I've talked to. It's like, I don't like peds and it's not like I don't like kids. It's, I hate seeing a sick kid, but it was brought up to me by a great pediatric dietitian I worked with. She was a specialist. She, she was like, but don't you want to see them get better? Right. And I was like, man, that's a really good point because I want to see, I want to see the kids get better, and I've seen them get better. One and of that, the that is amazing. One of the kids, um, you know, I write all these books, and so this mom of this kid um, actually messaged me a couple weeks ago, like, hey, what your book it really helped, blah blah blah. Well, she just posted the other day that her kid actually came back clear on his last test. Oh, and wonderful. Not just that, but then another person I was working with, she also came back clear cancer free so they're both officially in remission both of them posted on the same day i'll be honest i cried a little every time I, especially when i work with kids i cry a lot yeah, nothing wrong with that you know of course i actually i'm sorry i'm a man i don't cry i weep i weep with sorrowful tears <laughs> i'm like old testament weeping i shave my head i cut my beard and i cover myself in ashes and tear my cloak because i'm ryan callahan and if i'm going to do anything i'm going to do it big so uh so we talked about sad things and good things. Let's talk about funny things. Tell me some funny things you've had working as a dietitian. Um, I have a pretty 
I have a pretty uh, cynical sense of humor, a little darkness. I, think I like it, that. It, it helps me get through the uh, the dark days in the oncology ward. I think um, it's a millennial co- coping mechanism. You know, like <laughs> you know, it's it's pretty common in millennials yeah. to have a dark sense of humor. Yeah, dark memes. You, you name it, I like it. Um, but uh, you know, all, all all of that darkness aside, some of the funny stuff. Uh, I'll I'll keep it. I'll keep it short and sweet. Um, Every once in a while, I'll walk in on a patient, doesn't matter if they're male or female, and uh, they will be enjoying their own comfort if you follow my drift. And that's been interesting because I'll knock. <laughs> I'll knock. They might not be able to hear. Um, and it's pretty funny. It's also funny. There was a uh, there was a therapist. I'll keep it very vague. Um, we always joked about she was a very attractive young woman. Uh, she would walk in. And then Jesse has the vapors right now. Yeah, <laughs> she's so red. <laughs> she would get uh, no. The, and this this therapist, uh, she would she would go into like especially like a, if there was a, a younger person who was kind of confused or whatever, um, and then she would leave, and a nurse would come in right after, and that guy would be enjoying himself right after this therapist. He was left, TCB so. taking care of business. <laughs> taking care of business. So that's always that's always interesting in hearing those stories. Um, you know, if you're in the hospital for seven days, you know, if you're feeling good enough, you know, <laughs> you wonder. Um, and I've walked in on, uh, I swear, because you'll walk in and there'll be two people in a hospital bed. I'm just like, what's uh, what's going on under the blanket? You know, yeah, you never know. And it's always just a funny, a funny thing. And Oh, well, should I come back? I'm on a tight schedule though, so we can we you just sit there, you know, just just okay. So, <laughs> so yeah, that's something that's it's kind of like funny because like oh, I am so sorry because I'll I'll knock and and uh, and if especially if it's not a private room, there'll be two people in a room. But again, mm-hmm. if if a patient's confused, they don't know what's going on. Sure. I, I mean, it does happen. Confused for whatever reason. I I've walked in on that, and that's so I was like, I'm so sorry, and I leave I leave the room. We all went to college. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Exactly. We all went to the college dorm. in this room. The dorm. We know. Yeah. We all know. Okay. So, <laughs> so that's what you've done. So let's yep. talk about now what you're doing. So, um, next question. So, do dietitians mostly work at hospitals? Uh, I feel like the majority of us um, do. Though there's a large community population as well. Um, there's RDs and outpatient, though that is still clinical. There's RDs in schools. There's RDs in businesses. You know, corporate RDs that are helping with uh, kitchen, the kitchen. You know, what, running those sure. those those commercial kitchens at those big companies, as well as just being a resource for education. You know, it's a lot easier for a company to pay a dietitian than to pay for their employee's medical bill if sure. they have a controllable, a diet controllable illness. Disease, right. Yeah, exactly. So, and then also grocery stores. Uh, a friend of mine, she um, does videos for Hugh, it's uh, Hugo's in, I think, South Dakota. And I see, and they're really well done videos um, that she's, she's Danny the RD and she'll talk about like a certain fruit or a certain vegetable mm-hmm. and encourage you to, you know, have them, cook them, things like that. And that's at a grocery store. She does that as a part of her job as a uh, sports dietitian. That's interesting. That's it's neat because it means that you don't come out and you have to do one thing. It means it has lots of opportunities and options. It does, and, and if you're mar- and if you're marketable, um, that's something that. Now, when you say marketable, do you mean hot? Uh, no, that's not what I'm saying. I'm not saying that. Though there are a lot of good-looking dietitians that I've met, objectively, <laughs> um, they're also uh, 
typically a dietitian is a type A go-getter type. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of the dietitians I've worked with met, that is just something. Um, and I, I think dietitians, if you're listening, would agree that typically we're list makers, we're, we're driven, we're, we, have a, we have a goal, we have a goal, we have a goal. We're going to keep pushing towards that, whether it be a board exam, a new position, um, a, a new committee we want to get on or develop, things like that. Very, very driven people. And if you're driven and can get through the schooling, you, you can really make a business even for yourself, mm-hmm. which is something the future is Is this a recruiting ad? I feel like it's Are we it's recruiting not, people to be dietitians right now? I feel like, like, I feel like you just were recruiting. Let me tell you, I'm Ryan Ellison, and I'm here to tell you that if you've got that type A driven personality and you want to be beautiful and famous and fantastic, I have got the deal for you. Yes. <laughs> that is exactly what I'm saying. Thank you. Yeah, okay. So how many dietitians are usually like in a cancer center? So when you're working as an oncology dietitian? Um, I haven't been to a lot of cancer centers. Uh, my internship, we had one. Um, my first hospital, um, I was the only one, and I rarely dipped into the cancer center. I was more inpatient, um, but they were trying to work out if they had enough patients to sure. to make it worthwhile to have you know a full time you know outpatient RD. And then my last hospital had one full time oncology RD who was right before I, right before I left. She, her, and I were talking because both both of us loving oncology, and her she's actually a, a spe- like certified specialist. I'm just a specialist. Um, she was hoping to get another one, another full-time position. Okay. So I do feel like in, in that regard, it's growing because I think physicians, oncologists are seeing the benefits of their patient, every patient seeing an RD. And even, and I'm not saying just once, like getting those right. follow-ups to help through this process. I'm a big advocate for that. I really am. I, I tell people that all the time. I'm like, get with the dietitian. Like, does it really make a difference? I'm like, well, do you want to starve to Try death? Try and find out. You know, just just go talk to these people, you know? Fear is a good driver. Are you, do you want to die? No. That's why you're talking to me. Well, Go talk to this other person. <laughs> we never want to use threatening or fear tactics, but sure. definitely, definitely explain. See, but that's why, I'm not, that's why I'm not board certified. Yeah, that could be why. <laughs> uh, no, but it's it's important to, to present that. And something I also like to do at my last hospital was I did lecture at the cancer house once a month. So I would lecture on a, a given topic. Uh, sometimes the topics were already picked for me and I just had to do the PowerPoints or do the research. Um, I actually, one got canceled because of the weather and it was gonna be my favorite, it was head and neck cancers. And yeah, I, those are hard. I, I drew up all the re- resources and the research on that and I was unfortunately unable to give it because it got canceled, mm-hmm. um, which really stunk because it was, it was a good PowerPoint. It really was like, and it was good. And it hit the main points because my, my uh, head and neck cancer patients at that time were my most difficult. Yeah. They are hard. Help them eat, help them get through both chemo and radiation at the same time. Like it's, it's hard. It's rough. It it really is. So that was, uh, that was good. But getting, getting those people out there to talk to a dietitian, even talk to me because that was free. Right. That was a free, I I got no pay from anyone. I did that as a volunteer action. Um, and I hope I helped and I, and I've really felt like I did. I bet you did because I hadn't, I, I mean, I, I mean the very first question I was ever asked was by someone who had throat cancer and oh. they're like, I have no saliva, no teeth. What the heck am I going to do? And I'm a chef and I'm used to making beautiful meals for people. And I, I, I sat there and I thought about it and I just racked my brain. My brain is works on abstract hexadecimal learning. So I can think about something. And then it'll bring up something completely unrelated, but it works. And so that's when I started advocating for purees. And so working through the puree system and explaining how in the 1900s, Kellogg, you know, Dr. Kellogg himself, he 
advocated the puree as the healthiest form of eating because you didn't have to chew it. Because the idea was that you had to chew, you know, that old wives tell you to chew your food 50, 20 times or whatever it is for to be properly processed. Well, that he said, forget that, let's process it in advance. And then he'd process it with all the nutrients, which is probably where the idea of smoothies and shakes and juicing and all this stuff comes from back in the early 1900s, where they're like, let's just bypass the mouth entirely. Of course, then, in, you know, 50 years later, they're like, in the future, we're going to eat all of our food on a pill. <laughs> and we see how well that worked out. <laughs> yeah, tell that, tell that to my 64-ounce uh, porterhouse I see. <laughs> <laughs> so um, what is the most challenging aspect of being a dietitian? Uh, easy, fighting through fad diets. Okay, talk to me about that. Let's let's just go through it. Um, let's just you want, you want me to subject. do. Let's you, do it. Want me, you want me to do another whole guest uh, visit on the show talking about that? Because maybe we can I get a psychiatrist on too, and we can sit down and talk about the psychology of it while yeah, we're at it. I think I think so. I think you you would learn a lot from that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and the guest audience all laughs. <laughs> yes, yes, exactly. Um, probably this new keto diet. Um, they're trying to throw in um, this the keto. Uh, the epileptic diet. Yes, and that's for pediatric epilepsy. There's some research, but last time I checked, there's not that many pediatric uh, epileptics that are in their 40s. Um, <laughs> sorry about you. And uh, a, lot of, a lot of times with these fad diets, um, what people need to realize is calorie deficit is how you're going to lose weight. Um, right. If your body needs 2,000 calories and you give it 1,500 correctly, it needs to be done correctly, you can have weight loss, controlled, healthy, one pound a week, maybe two pounds a week weight loss, um, depending on your situation, your circumstance, and, and your management with your medical professionals, sure. you know, your primary care physician, if you have a specialist, like an endocrinologist, uh, cardiologist, and a dietitian. We, we, we can help that as we, if we work together as a team. Because again, it's a balance. Um, it definitely is. But fighting through these fad diets and paleo and whatever crazy diet they're coming through, juicing and I hate to tell you, like your juice cleanse. You have this. You have this little. You have this little organ. It tastes really good. Um, if it's, I've only. I guess I've only had cow liver and sheep liver. Mm -hmm. um, it tastes really good. But we have this. It's this awesome, awesome organ that does this for you. It filters for you. That's kind of its, your toxin its purpose. Filter? Yeah, it's kind of the purpose of your. Oh, liver. I should just let you. How do you feel about body pH? Oh, all right. And if uh, I have next, to hear about turmeric or uh, body pH one more time, I'm going to flip a table. I'm just going to do it. You want to do it together? We'll get a really big one. Yeah, my table's pretty heavy, but I have drinks and guacamole on here. Yeah, so let's, let's, let's not, not. Let's not throw the guac all over the place. Brand let's go carpet. find some other table yes. in a public restaurant. Public restaurant. Let's New Jersey this. Turmeric. <laughs> <laughs> Trigger. <laughs> Seriously. If uh, I have to watch one more person drink a turmeric shot and talk about how it makes their cancer better, I'm just going to die. I'm just going to die. I'm just going to die. I'm going to fall over and die. No, just have some turmeric. You won't right? die. Oh, yeah. And then you'll give me turmeric, and then there I won't go. die. There you and go. It'll cure all my cancer. Uh, I'm not promoting uh, having turmeric like in that capacity. Um, great spice. I had, yeah, it's great. It's great in Indian food. It's great in Chinese food. It's great in curry. And it's like this Indian doctor told me from John Hopkins. He said, well, if turmeric cured cancer, Nobody in India would have cancer because we eat more turmeric than any other group of people, and we have the same rates of cancer as everyone else. Drops, he said it with an drops, accent. Drops my. Right. He drops said it with mic. an accent, and I'm not going to say it with an accent because then it might be insensitive these days. Let's not do insensitive. I don't want to do insensitive. <laughs> We're sensitive people. We're going to hug after this, I think. We'll probably hug because I haven't seen you in so long. <laughs> so we'll call it fair. Okay, so the most challenging aspect of your position is definitely dealing with misinformation yes. and the internet's. I, oh, I always say, it. who's making money on this? 
That's what you need to look at. Who's yeah. making money? And that's my simple chef's perspective on that. Yeah. So, so tell me about the unique nutritional needs that different people have. All right, well, where do I start? Um, it's what I said before, you're a grocery store cashier. Think of all the people that come through from young, old. Um, and we'll, we'll keep sexes, male and female, um, age, activity level, ethnicity, all can play a role in diet prescription. Mm -hmm. Depending on your, your genetics, are you predisposed to be hypertensive? Do you have heart disease? Do you have diabetes in your family? Um, those things all need to be taken into account. Uh, again, as well as your activity level. An, an active 18-year-old male is gonna have different needs than an inactive 40-year-old female. Mm -hmm. um, it, if you're even older, that's gonna change your needs. Just start with your energy needs, it's gonna change. If you're a pediatric patient compared to a geriatric patient, your needs are gonna be different. What you require, what, what we need to do to promote um, a healthy lifestyle is different. You know, as a pediatric patient, we're trying to get you to gain weight. Right. If you're if you're an older patient, we probably want your weight stationary. We want to keep your BMI above 23. We want to keep you, you know, at a safe, good, no crazy weight change. Um, mm -hmm. Again, your your sex. Are you premenopause, postmenopause? You know, where where are you at in that part of your life as well? You know, what is what is your prescription? I've educated a 15 year old female on anemia and how to boost her iron stores. And going through that with her, I'm not going to have that conversation necessarily with a 15-year-old boy. Sure. Um, it, it's different. It, it definitely does depend on what's going on. Um, ethnicity as well. Um, we'll take, um, in my last population, we had a lot of Hispanics. Um, I, there were some people from like uh, El Salvador. We had some El Salvadorians. Um, I think I met maybe a Nicaraguan patient, uh, a couple of patients from Mexico. Um, there was a higher a higher group in that population that had type 2 diabetes because of their normal wake up, have something sweet at breakfast, sure. eat sweet throughout the day. Have you had good horchata? Like, come on. <laughs> like, sign me I, up. Yes, please. But, and that was a part of it, is where, where in your ethnicity, your culture, what foods are okay, what foods not okay, how much you eat. You know, Americans, we just eat everything. We're hyper-palatable. We love hyper-palatable foods. We crave them. We have right. to have them. That's a part of, that's a part of our food culture. Mm -hmm. It is. So anyway, to come full circle um, with that is everyone's different. Everyone is different. Everyone needs their own prescription. And notice how I really didn't mention medical conditions. You know, right. I, I touched on diabetes, but if you have Crohn's disease, uh, IBS, I mean, there are other conditions that are going to affect um, your prescription. Or just like we talked about with pureed, your, your dentation. Do you have teeth? Can you right. chew? Right. Uh, bread and some patients can can chew without a lot of teeth some people need dentures um, if they forget their dentures at home and they're in the hospital well i'm putting them on a puree diet but that's not what i'm recommending at home you know it, it depends on their clinical state as well as their age their their ethnicity their gender you know what's what's going on with them at home compared to even again where i see more of the acute setting one of the things i think about it is really interesting that people don't think about is that there are different needs for different ethnicities and that our bodies really are evolved for different climates and different climate needs. So one of the things that's really interesting is the vitamin D deficiency yep. in the United States. People who are of a, what should we call it, Caucasian, we'll call them white people, Northwestern Europe, right? Like me or you. Yeah. I walk out in the sun and I've got all the vitamin D I need in five minutes and in the winter and the cloth cover. But if you're African-American or Hispanic or Italian in your, or Indian, like from the Indian subcontinent, yeah. your vitamin D ability to produce it because of the color of your skin is so reduced. You know, your skin's a vitamin D producing organ, basically. Yeah. 
And that's one of those things that people always miss out on. And that's why milk says added vitamin D is to help you absorb that calcium. But everybody has those different needs of sunlight. And not only that, but going to the mental state thing, that vitamin D and that sunlight can actually, depending on your ethnicity, can actually determine how happy or depressed or successful you feel and how well you cope with life, depending on how much sunlight you get. Go like live in the Northeast, man. The winters, the winters are long and hard because we don't see, <laughs> we don't see the sun. Everyone, like when I went to my primary care for my like initial check, it was like, hey, just make sure. Uh, because it was in the middle of winter, it's like make sure you get on a vitamin D supplement. I'll write you the script. Mm -hmm. Like, because that it's, it's a real it's, thing. It's a real thing. So. It's a real thing. So, um, so I guess we've kind of answered the next question, but I'm just gonna ask it because it needs to be asked. Is there such a thing as a one size fits all approach to diet? I think we just spent five minutes saying no. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm gonna go with no. There's not. So I think you've already sold me on this, but I want you to tell me why is what a dietitian does important? Why why are you important? Um, well, in the clinical setting, um, let me tell you, no offense to physicians, but they take one nutrition class in med school. Um, I have a <laughs> little bit more knowledge on, you know, foods to avoid, foods to have. You know, if you're on Warfarin or Coumadin, you need to watch your vitamin K. Well, doctors say, oh, I think green leafy vegetables. Well, what, what ones? Can I, can I have Brussels sprouts? Can I have cauliflower? But I, I can't have broccoli, but I can have, the, I can have plums um, you know things like that we, we can help we can help through some of those choices now I think about it, I wonder how much vitamin K plum has in it hmm beautiful thing about being a dietitian is I don't have to know every mineral and every food but I know how to look it up there you go if I don't if I don't know the answer and dietitians will tell you this if we don't know the answer we have the resources to find it and we'll get back to you because we I do not know every food I couldn't tell you how much protein is in a six ounce steak piece of uh, deer steak I can tell you that it's yummy when I cook it. <laughs> But that's the thing. There are resources available, um, and we want to help. You know, and we—I I hopefully have sold it. We want to help you yeah. reach a healthy point in your life. We want to work with chefs to make sure. healthy, delicious food, or work with speech language pathologists to find out what is the true way to make pureed, and how can I help a patient at home make their own pureed food from the food they eat normally. Mm -hmm. Can they throw in mac and cheese? They're on an anti-mastication diet. You know, they broke their jaw, something happened. How can we help them get food that they like, the same flavor profile, mm -hmm. and the food they like to the same consistency that we need to be compliant to their diet? There you go. And that's, uh, that's actually a really important aspect because, you know, texture is one of the flavors. It's one of the ways that you experience your eating process. You know, like, for example, I always talk about this, but uh, we're eating tortilla chips here and crunchy is not actually a texture crunchy is a sound and it's the vibration of your jaw of the of it come the impact coming through your jaw that you're hearing and that you're craving which is really bizarre to re if you really start breaking yeah. these down and you start thinking about it it's really crazy so okay so you you used to you, you're in between jobs now but this is my favorite question because it's a humility question who on your staff that you used to work with uh was indispensable and why uh, I'll keep it short and sweet. Our lead dietitian was, uh, even the one before that lead dietitian when I left, um, indispensable. Lead dietitian, you have to have a good bit of experience clinically as well as the ability to be an administrator amongst, uh, um, amongst a bunch of professionals. Mm -hmm. um, our, our la my last lead that I had was an indispensable part of the hospital, not just our team, the hospital. And when she took a management job, and good luck to her in Buffalo, um, when she took a management job, I was so happy for her because she can do it. 
she is she was such a great lead for us which isn't really a lead's not a true manager but was very helpful in our day-to-day -day activities as well as a wealth of resource for clinical you know where i was at a level one trauma center up in upstate like we saw things i never had seen before never learned about but if we had her as a resource we had our own resources we had books textbooks that we'd have to look up well what's the clinical aspect of this what do we need to do for this because we want to make sure our prescription is correct mm -hmm. and when in doubt we're going to look it up well yeah as you should a physician should do the same they, if they're not they sure which medication do. if they have any doubt you would hope that they would check check with their attending check with uh, their resources their books because there no one knows all the answers no no one does even me as a chef people come up to me with culinary techniques i've never even heard of before which is always something in french and you know i'm glad i took five years of french classes because i understand what they're saying hmm. but you know 90 percent of the time i don't know it as the french technique i know it as what i call it yeah. you know like People use the word ganache, and they really just mean chocolate frosting. Mm. <laughs> Yum. Tell me more. Do you have some in the fridge? It's no, 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 no. We don't, we don't eat very poorly around here, actually. <laughs> I am fat, but I don't eat very poorly. Um, so let's talk about going forward. We're kind of wrapping up the interview now. Uh, so are you, going to continue as an, are you going to continue as an oncology dietitian? Why or why not? Uh, plan on continuing it. Um, I'm hoping to uh, this next position. Uh, they open a cancer center, and eventually down the line, we'll need a true oncology RD, and uh, that's something I want to do. Um, yeah, simple. So, what are your next steps in life? So, you're moving to Kansas City. Are you going to eat a lot of barbecue? Oh, you know, are you going to eat some of their good steaks? Yeah. What's the plan here? Uh, probably some of the good barbecue. Um, I get to live alone again, which I'm excited for. I, <laughs> I, I really like living alone. Um, it helped helped with my cooking because um, I could like definitely take more time cooking because you're not sharing a stove with two other people. You know what the best part about living alone is? Is, is for the first day that no one else is there, you walk around naked, and then you go, you know Every what? Every day. You go... My couch is leather and it's really cold on my ass in the morning when I drink my coffee and I really feel like I need to wear some underwear. <laughs> my couch is leather and I will have coffee in the, well, probably tea. I, I like some uh, some good loose leaf Earl Grey myself. Do you really? I do. Um, and I have to get some local honey. I used all my New York local, so I'll have to get some Kansas City local honey. See, I'm a coffee guy. I, I like tea in the morning, but for some reason it makes me nauseous. Which is weird, but my coffee's not even coffee. It's like half coffee, half sugar. milk, half sugar. Yeah. Yeah. It's 24 ounces though. Okay. I drink my <laughs> coffee black. And then sometimes I add sugar and honey, but I like my coffee black. Well, it's probably because you're drinking better coffee than I am. <laughs> Very well could be. <laughs> okay. Mr. Ryan Ellison, that is the end of the interview. Um, so you guys can hear this on a bunch of different services. Obviously, it's here at ChefRyanCallahan.com. You can find me on Instagram at, at Chef underscore Ryan underscore Callahan. Definitely check it out. Won't go wrong. <laughs> And then you can hear this podcast on Spotify, iTunes, Radio Public, and Google Play Music. And, of course, my website, ChefRyanCallahan.com. If you guys ever have any questions, don't feel, uh, don't hesitate to reach out to me. And, Ryan, I know you've got a bunch of things to plug here. Well, just one big thing. Uh, something I decided to do now that I'm moving to Kansas City, um, and hopefully we'll have a little better time management, I, I want to get back into uh, doing not so much diet plans because those take quite a bit of time how I do them because I do them macro and micro, but getting into if you want to get your macronutrients done, um, even if it's just how many calories I think you should have in a day, how much protein, um, I'm actually going to start doing that up. I'm hoping to get in with uh, one of my engineer buddies who's in software and to maybe get kind of a website put together over the next couple months. So if you're interested, um, I haven't figured out fees or anything like that. 
obviously it's my brain and my knowledge and my time, so I'm going to charge for it. But uh, <laughs> we're we're gonna try to work that out moving forward. And uh, so, how can they get a hold of you? Now you can get a hold of me via email. It is my name Ryan Ellison R Y A N. E-L-L-I-S-O-N 2010 at yahoo.com. Please do not solicit me for other offers. This is only for if you're interested in having your micros done. Um, I'm still working out if we're going to do a PayPal, a Venmo, something like that. So what um, he's saying is... Pay if me. You, if you're, he's, say, <laughs> he's saying that if you have... If you're looking to get on a, on a diet to help you lose weight, gain weight, be athletic, figure out your nutritional needs, this is the guy to do it. And that's what he's offering. And adjust them as needed because everyone's still a little bit different and uh, just basically knowledge doesn't necessarily indicate success but fine-tuning it um, again over a course of a couple months working it out that's something I'm trying to do um, is kind of get some clients kind of kind of as a side hustle I <laughs> <laughs> gotta get that side grind exactly all right Ryan I always like to ask this last question did you learn anything about yourself today um, I think I learned I probably should be on this uh, show more often but because <laughs> now that I'm on this side of the country because it's always it's always a pleasure hanging out with you and uh, it's always good to like you know again take a step back and think about whenever you ask me you know, what what is a dietitian what do I do take that step back and be like I know what I do day to day I know my building my patient list talking to the nurses um, talking to the doctors but actually seeing what I do for the patients you know what yeah. why why am I there and that's always a good feeling to know like this is what I do I'm proud of what I do. Um, some days are hard, some days aren't, but hey, that's how it goes. All right, Ryan. Well, thank you for being on the people behind your food and we'll talk to you guys next week.